Hello, this is Pastor Kong Hee. I want to thank you for joining us on our podcast. I pray that you'll be blessed in Christ, encouraged by the Word, and experience an encounter with God. Remember, knowing God and being known by Him is the greatest pursuit of life. Enjoy the message. As followers of Jesus, we want to imitate His devotional life, especially His love for prayer. Jesus was in a constant prayer mode. What was the secret to His prayer life? Bible meditation. And through meditation, prayer becomes a conversation, a wonderful fellowship and communion with the Heavenly Father. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that prayer is also confession. Jesus says that we must regularly bring our sins to God, who will freely forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Confessing our sins must be a regular part of our prayer life. Although the Bible refers to all born-again believers as saints, nevertheless, Scripture is also clear that we are not perfect. And in this lifetime, we will never be. We still constantly fall into sin. Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation, used the Latin phrase, simul ustus et peccato, which means simultaneously righteous and sinner. This means that in and of ourselves, we are sinners. But by our faith in Jesus Christ, whose righteousness is imputed and transferred to our account, God considers us righteous. This is the heart of the gospel, the good news. When God declares us righteous in Christ, it doesn't mean that we're instantly made morally perfect and pure. We are just legally, positionally righteous. God now wants us to grow in grace and to actually become more righteous in our character, attitude, and conduct. And that means we should live a godly, moral life. He doesn't want us to practice uh, sin as a lifestyle. We must grow to be holy, just as He is holy. But as long as we are alive, in this lifetime, we will still sin. The Apostle Paul, the teacher of justification by faith, acknowledged that even as a very mature saint, he was still a sinner. In his letter to Timothy, which was written near the end of Paul's life, he said, I am, present tense, I am the chief of all sinners. Almost 60 years after the resurrection of Christ, the Apostle John wrote to a, the very senior and mature Christians in Ephesus saying, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's not talking about us harboring a sin or guilt consciousness, but about us acknowledging the truth. Whenever we do wrong, we must confess our sins to God. And if we do so, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So by giving us the Lord's Prayer, which should be a believer's daily prayer outline, Jesus is calling us to a life of repentance, which is absolutely necessary for healthy, holy living. The first statement of Luther's 95 Thesis, which he nailed to the door of the Wittenberg Church in 1517, was this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, 
He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. In other words, we should seek God's forgiveness every day in prayer, if necessary. This is where the Ten Commandments are very useful. Even though Jesus was completely sinless, there is no doubt that He Himself meditated often on the Ten Commandments, which are the expressions of God's own moral nature. I often use the Ten Commandments as a spiritual MRI to check my heart. For sure, the Ten Commandments cannot save us. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But they are very useful for the purpose of detecting sin, showing us if and where there are moral defects so that we can bring them to God in prayer for cleansing and restoration. This is how I do it. For example, I take the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. I pray to God, Lord, is there anything or anyone I place above you? I then allow the Holy Spirit to search deeply within my heart. Have I placed my ambition, career, marriage, family, children, ministry, comfort, anyone or anything, even my own life, above God? If I have, that person or thing has become a God to me. Then I must bring that area to God and I'll pray, Father, please forgive me. I must have no other gods before you. I then take the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself any graven image. Images have to do with our imagination. So I pray, Lord, is there anyone or anything who has captured my mind or is constantly preoccupying my thoughts above you? It could be a person, a work, a lust, a craving, a worry, an anger, a nagging frustration. And you can concentrate or focus on anything else. You can't even live in the present anymore. You're fixated on that person, that thing or situation. It has become a graven image to you. Now, if that happens to me, then I'll bring it to God and pray, Father, please forgive me. I surrender my fixation on this person or this thing to you. Renew my mind. Help me, Lord Jesus, to fix my eyes only on you. So I go through the Ten Commandments one by one. You shall not take the name of God in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath holy. You shall honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, lie, and covet. As I check my heart, I humble myself and bring my sins before the Lord, asking for His forgiveness, allowing Jesus' blood to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Repentance is the way we remove the filth and rubbish from our lives. Without it, real spiritual growth, Christ-likeness, moral purity cannot happen. We must develop the conscious habit and lifestyle of confessing our sins to the Lord as often as we need to.